We are continuing our walk through the Gospel of Luke. And when we began it, we began in December of 2012. We've been in Luke a long time. And when we started it, we started with, you know, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, which made perfect sense in December. It made perfect sense. And here we are, August 2014, and it's Good Friday. Feels a little awkward. We usually don't read this text except for Good Friday, and that's it. But here we are. We can't walk through the Gospel of Luke without walking through this text as well. And since every Sunday is a reminder of the resurrection, I think it's appropriate that it's also a reminder of Jesus' crucifixion as well. And as we walk through the Gospel of Luke, we hit the high point last week. The high point last week, and all, all of Luke has been leading up to this question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And Luke shows us. Jesus is the one who teaches. Jesus is the one who heals. Jesus is the one who feeds 5,000 people. Jesus is the one who God himself says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. This is Jesus, son of God, son of man. And last week, the rulers said to Jesus, who are you? Are you the son of God, the Messiah? And he said to them, you are right in saying that I am. We have today the crucifixion of Jesus. It's just a natural outpouring of what took place last week. This is a foregone conclusion. And there are many people who come into contact with Jesus. And we'll see how they respond. How do these people respond to Jesus? And how will you respond? We first, we see the crowd. The crowd is following Jesus from the trial to through the city of Jerusalem and to place where he'll be crucified. And as they follow, they mock, they ridicule, they scorn. He saved others. Let him save himself. He's really the chosen one. He's really the Messiah. Get off the cross. Jesus. Jesus gives the people one more chance. One more chance to repent one more chance to see who he really is. Because while he's walking through Jerusalem, he's preaching to them. He says, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, weep for yourselves. This comes from Zechariah. It's a prophecy from Zechariah chapter 12. And in those days, all the leaders, all the, the scholars would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about because they knew their Bible a whole lot better than we do. Zechariah 12 says this, And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child. They grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. On that day, a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. Zechariah 12. As Jesus walks through the city, stumbling, bleeding, 
beaten, bruised. He preaches one last time. This is me. One promise from Zechariah 12. Repent. The crowd mocks Jesus, even as he dies for their sin and their mockery. In our world today, there are many who mock Jesus. There are many. When you go on any website, there's atheists there and on the blog posts and all that stuff. And after any religious article, you scroll down on all the comments section and they're all there. Radical Muslims in our world killing Christians. There are many who mock Jesus. But I'll tell you what's worse. Those who ignore Jesus. Those who say, well, you know, he's a really nice guy, and he had some great teachings, and he taught people how to be nice and good, and that's all good. I'll tell you what it's like. It's like calling Peyton Manning a decent quarterback. It's like calling the Rocky Mountains kind of nice. Scandalous. Scandalous. Peyton Manning is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And the Rocky Mountains aren't just kind of nice. They're spectacular. Calling Jesus a nice guy completely misses the point. He's a guy who did incredible things and claimed to be God in the flesh. And in the famous words of C.S. Lewis, you can kill him as a demon, you can spit at him, or you can fall at his feet and worship him. He did not leave any other option open. He did not intend to. crowd mocks. Jesus dies for them. There is a criminal next to Jesus. We have to call him the thief on the cross, but he was no thief. The Romans being crucified thieves. He was a murderer. And he mocks Jesus as well, but he adds a twist. If you really are the Messiah, if you really are the Son of God, save yourself and me too. common response to Jesus. If you really are God, if you really cared, things would be different. And many people feel this way about God. Many people feel this way about Jesus. And some of you have felt that way about Jesus, or are feeling that way about Jesus right now. Dear Jesus, if you really do care, things would be different in my life. Martha said those words to Jesus. Remember Mary and Martha? Jesus goes to their home. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's learning and and Martha works. And she's prepping the meal and she's getting things set up. And Mary's just sitting there doing nothing. You all have an in-law like that at Thanksgiving dinner. You know this person, right? Right? Some of you are like, I can't stand that person. They sit there and they do nothing. They don't even wash a dish, right? So you you get Martha. She's mad. This is what she says to Jesus. Lord, don't you care? Have you been there? Lord, don't you care that my dad's sick? Lord, don't you care that my kids are struggling? Lord, don't you care that I'm out of a job? Lord, don't you care? 
ball bit there. My friends, when we go through hard times, sometimes it's hard to know the answer to why we're going through that stuff. But I'll tell you what the answer is. It's not that God, God doesn't care. God cares for you. Jesus loves you. And the cross is proof of that. Lord, don't you care? Of course he cares. He died for you. He cares more for you than any other person you've ever known. More than your mom, more than your dad, more than your favorite teacher in elementary school. God cares for you. Jesus loves you. The cross is that. There is another criminal. Another murderer. And he knows that God cares. And in our text we see that he responds much differently. And while hanging on a cross. While hanging on a cross. You know the word excruciating? It's a Latin word. It literally means from the cross or of the cross. The cross was so bad, they invented a word to describe it. Excruciating. And while hanging there, in excruciating pain, this criminal turns to Jesus and says, Remember me. While hanging there, he knows that God cares. Did he hear Jesus preach? Probably not. He's being crucified in Jerusalem. He's most likely from that area of Jerusalem. And Jesus didn't preach much in the actual city of Jerusalem. Really, he did most of his work that week leading up to his crucifixion. And most likely, this guy was in prison that week leading up to his crucifixion. So more than likely, the only introduction he has to Jesus is there that day. He sees something in Jesus. Jesus is like no other. Jesus forgives his enemies. Jesus forgives the people who have just nailed him to a piece of wood. This criminal is impressed. This criminal knows his only hope is Jesus. I wonder Jesus was dying between two criminals, one on his left one on his right. One complaining about him, the other one turning to him. Jesus remembered this sermon he preached some time before. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will find it. And in their final hour, Jesus tells this criminal, it's not his final hour. Today, he says, Today you'll be with me in paradise. And how easy it would have been for that criminal to say, Jesus, I believe in you. You are the Son of God. But now would be a really good time to prove it. I'd appreciate that. But he doesn't. While hanging there, he puts his trust in Jesus. 
matter what. Jesus gives him the best news he has ever heard. Very timely at that. Today. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Which brings us back to the beginning of our text. As we always say, we, we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus, but not all the way. Because there's some place Jesus doesn't have us go. And that's the Calvary. That's where Jesus goes alone. And there he dies alone. For your sin and for mine. But it's not quite true. There was one man who followed him there. Not by choice, but he followed. Luke gives us his name. Simon of Cyrene. Cyrene was a region in North Africa. And so Simon is a pilgrim. He's there uh, for the Passover celebration. And we know he has never met Jesus before. But Luke gives us his name. Mark tells us more. Mark tells us that Simon of Cyrene is the father of Alexander and Rufus. Why do we know this? Why is this important? Have you ever told a story? You've all told stories, right? And you tell a story, and you're talking to some friends, and you'll say, oh, this happened to this guy, and this guy, uh, I saw him do this jump, and he did this awesome jump, uh, and he landed on his face, and he uh, garage sailed everywhere. It was awesome. Right? That's a good story. But if you know the person, and they all know the person, you use the name, don't you? I saw Mark, and he went off the jump. And he's, he garage sailed everywhere. Better story that way, isn't it? Luke tells us about Simon of Cyrene, and Mark informs us that he's the father of Alexander and Rufus because the readers know Alexander and Rufus. See, Simon carried the cross of Jesus, and he stayed, and he watched, and he heard Jesus forgive his enemies. And he saw Jesus die. And he was undoubtedly there when Jesus rose from the dead. And he went back home and he told his boys. Alexander, Rufus, which is a name we should hear more often. I like the name Rufus. He left legacy. And his boys followed Jesus. And they became leaders of the church in Rome. Paul mentioned some in his letter to Rome. Alexander. How will you respond? Some of you here are just checking things out. Maybe you know those who mock Jesus, who scorn Jesus. Maybe you've been busy ignoring Jesus. I want to tell you, please don't ignore Jesus. He's either insane or a fool. There's God in the flesh. Died. Some of you here, you know Jesus, you maybe even love Jesus, but you're frustrated with God. You're going through a tough time in your life, and you're asking that question, Lord God, don't you care? And I want to share with you. God cares for you. 
Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you. He rose for you. And whatever you're going through in life, I don't know why. I can't tell you why. But I can tell you the ending is good. He will see you through. And that's his promise. That's his promise. Jesus Christ died for you. He cares for you. Some of you here have just put your trust in Jesus. Maybe like the criminal on the cross very, very recently. You're beginning this walk. I want to tell you, it gets harder. If you're just beginning your walk with Jesus, i, I got to let you know, it gets harder, not easier. Because we are in a battle. And there are enemies. And Satan and his forces will attack you. Some of you will be surprised by that. Because before you were on the enemy's side, and they, the enemy doesn't shoot at you when you're on his side, right? But when you switch sides, they start shooting at you. And Jesus is a much kinder enemy. It does get harder. It also gets better. Because every day has a life and purpose. Every day has meaning. Every day has hope and a future. Jesus is a God who cares for you, loves you, and erases our past and gives us a future and a hope. Because of his death, his resurrection, you. Some of you here are like Simon. You've met Jesus, you're following Jesus. You told your kids, or some friends maybe, or some family members co-workers. I want to encourage you to be like Simon. Leave a legacy. Leave a legacy. Live your life in such a way that when people say to your friends, how, how did you become a Christian? They'll say, well, my good friend told me about Jesus. Or my mom told me about Jesus. Or my grandma brought me to church. Be that person. Be a Simon. Be the legacy. Because all of you work hard. Some of you are retired hard, right? You're, you're busier now than you've ever been, right? All good stuff. It's good stuff. It's not eternal stuff. It just isn't. I want to do something that leaves a legacy for eternity. Be like Simon. Go home. Tell someone what Jesus Christ has done. Tell your kids. Tell your friends. Tell your coworkers. They might mock and ridicule. It's okay. It happened to Jesus too. It's all right. But if you just say, this is what God has done for me, I just wanted you to know that. There might be a time in their life when they go, you know, I need God to do something like that. Me too. You need to tell me more. It's weird to do Good Friday in August. It's a little awkward. But I pray it's been good. A great reminder of Jesus' love, the 
sacrifice and his grace for you. Amen. And the peace of God passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord for life everlasting.